even just the morale boost of a first person drone chasing down a Russian vehicle and exploding, like gaming has now made it into combat in real life and death. What's up? I'm Tyler Sweat. Cue the dramatic music. This is All Quiet on the Second Front, a podcast where boring conversations around defense tech and national security come to die. Ready to get weird and learn some cool shit about emerging tech and the government? I thought so. Let's fucking go. This is a Soul Fire production. Hey everyone, Chrissy McGarry here, COO of Second Front Systems. Excited to share with all of you that you are now able to sign up for our annual Offset Symposium. Imagine attending the number one national security symposium located at the Ronald Reagan Building in Washington, D.C. on Tuesday, May 16th, 2023. During the symposium, you'll be able to hear from some of the leading experts in the defense tech space and VC communities. Individuals like Nund, the CTO of the CIA, and General Raymond, formerly of the Space Force, will be there participating in fireside chats and conversations. Don't worry, you can locate our full agenda at secondfront.com backslash offset dash symposium. Make sure you sign up today. Space is limited. All right, what's up, nerds? Tyler Sweat here. Welcome to All Quiet on the Second Front, the podcast where boring shit does not hang out. Uh, there's a different tagline, but I don't remember it. Um, got Enrique Odi here. So super excited. Um, Enrique and I have had the, the pleasure, maybe we'll say of Some, working together for almost three years at this point. I'm not sure that's the right word, but yeah, it's three yeah. Years. He, uh, he's sort of like a software Jesus in the air force and, you know, we get to watch the magic live a little bit. Um, so I gave him no context on what this was, said people want to hear the Odie story. Uh, so what I want to sort of start with is I'm not going to have you do the Kessel Run story because I've heard it a thousand times Great. and nobody cares. Got it. Um, as you look back at 23 years cyber officer doing things like DIU and Kessel Run, what do you know now that you wish you knew then? What have you learned on the outside? Wow. Um, Softball's out of the gate, baby. Holy crap. One with a hard one first. So what do, <laughs> what do I know? It depends on what area you want to talk about. Um I think something I've I've actually learned that I probably sucked at early, uh, again, being a technologist, I'm not the best people person. Uh, I love people. They're great. I just, you know, had- They not, just don't love you. Yeah, they don't love me. And I did not spend a lot of my career building the relationships. And what I've realized is how much as you start actually doing this really, I'll call it cool stuff. You may not think it's cool. Anyway, yeah. I think it's cool stuff of trying to change systems, change bureaucracies. It's so much relationship driven. And yeah. I've actually learned that out on the on the outside, on the commercial side. Holy crap. Like it's everybody knows everybody. They know their names. They all hang out together. They all go drink together. I'm like, oh shit, I probably should have been doing that earlier in my career and yeah. actually re remember people's names, take some business cards, Build email people back. Yeah. Yeah. So that's actually something I uh yeah, that'd be a lesson learned. I could see that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, you've had a really interesting experience being able to sort of sit in formal Air Force organizations, yeah. you know, command structures, sit in innovation organizations, and then sit in like the first real scaled sort of software factory. And now on the outside, as we're trying to sort of bring tech back in and solve some of the problems, you know, as folks who are watching this and they're, they're looking at, you know, the innovation community and sort of the defense department and all these opportunities to do, you know, in theory, cool shit with tech. What are, 
What are some of the challenges? What advice do you give? A founder calls you, some some nerd from Stanford and says, Colonel Odie, can you come tell me how to do this? Yeah. What do you tell him? Uh, first of all, can we just talk about the term innovators? Holy crap. You, you, <laughs> you said it just like three times just now. Innovation with such disdain. With such disdain. Innovation organizations, <laughs> innovation community, innovation ecosystem. Innovation is a lie. I, and Air Force is like talking about an innovation career field. Come on. Like we That's have- your son's name we, tape. Oh yeah, innovation actualizer. What's up, Arcady? Yeah. <laughs> we have beaten that term to death. It's almost meaningless now. Uh -huh. I actually think, I think there's an- uh, an inverse relationship between successful deployment capabilities and the word innovation in your job title. Yes. So, and it's because we've, we've confused innovation with creativity. It's like, oh, if you're creative, you're an innovator. No, you're not. Yeah. Like the key to innovation is entrepreneurship. Can you actually deliver something that has a meaning, has a product market fit that actually changes something? Like yeah. that's innovation. And everything, every time we call something innovative and we give them sticky notes, it's actually not moving the ball forward. It's actually almost discrediting this entire notion of creativity and entrepreneurship inside a bureaucracy. So anyway, that's, no, that wasn't your question. But no, you but it's so funny, right? Yeah. I got, uh, I think it got stripped out. I was in a podcast with a, sort of an innovation group, and I think they didn't even end up airing it because I went on this tirade <laughs> of like, hey, this is all fucking performative bullshit. And having all of these discussions yeah. and posting all of this fucking churn or chud, chum, whatever on LinkedIn, and not actually thinking about the outcome and how we're gonna actually solve the problem. So fucking diagnose the problem and then yep. actually get to some practical application, right? Innovation without a practical application is just theater. Correct. Um, yep. So getting that, how do you though, right? Here's yeah. the question. So I'll go back and I mean, I joke about Stanford all the time, but so I'm a, I'm a fucking hacking for defense kid at Stanford, sure. right? How do I understand as I look at the Department of Defense, how do I understand what's real and what's theater? Because I can't fall down right now without running into an innovation organization? I'll turn the route. I'm not sure if you're a hacking for defense kid at Stanford or anywhere else, and I, I say kid even though like half- Or I'm a young startup yeah, founder. Yeah, yeah, half of their grad student stuff. Um, so there's a couple things. The first one is don't look at them to say, are they real? It's like, is the duty real or not? You know, you may not be able to tell. You don't know the organizations. Yeah. Actually understand if you're real. And when I get at this, like Ooh. one of the things that I'm concerned about is this, uh, I'll, I'll quote someone else, it's like the death of expertise. Like we think like that innovation is the domain of the young. I actually totally disagree. Like the young people, no offense to young people, and maybe I'm saying this guy sound like an old guy, but the young people don't have the- Stay off my fucking grass. Yeah, they don't yeah. have the experience, they don't have the scars. You have to actually be an expert at something in order to innovate that thing. If you're innovating in an area you, you do not understand, where you don't know the context, you don't know the history, yeah. you don't know the pol policies, you don't know why things are the way they are, it's really hard to innovate that. Yeah. And I know there's a bunch of people out there who can say, no, this that's not true. This is the OD heel turn. I like this. Yeah. You die a hero or you become the villain. That's exactly like, you fucking. Yeah. And yes. so I think this, this path towards progress and modernization is not going to come through the young. It's the old battle-scarred person who's been there, the lieutenant colonels, the colonels, or the startup founders like on their second or third startup or they're, they came out of their DOD, now they're doing a startup, they want to solve something. If you're an expert, now's when you can go to the DOD and go, you know what? I've been there, I've done it. I Either I know the tech or I know the mission. Here's how you could do it better. Yeah. So so the idea of like, is the DOD real or not? Is it innovative theater or not? Eh, sure, that's an interesting question. My question is appealed to giving the solutions. Are they innovation theater? Yeah. Because the DOD looks at it and goes, oh great, my. the DOD's like, oh my gosh, it's somebody from Stanford. They must be brilliant. Yeah, it's this weird like archetype that yeah. like people yeah. have a kink for. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely.
Now, I don't know if that, I can say kink on the podcast. All that kink said, with the lights on, it's fine. All that said, I'm a huge Stanford fan, as you know, which I think why you ridicule Stanford all the time. But anyway, it's a great school. It's a great school. Great school. Yeah. yeah huge. Anyway. Um, so talk to me. We're going to do a little shameless plug for some of the work we're doing together. Sure. Um, talk to me a little bit about the problem we're trying to solve. And I mean, honestly, like the conversation yeah. that got me to come over here, right? Like, I sit on my deck over the summer and you and Peter call and you're like, we've got an idea. <laughs> I'm not sure exactly what I said that made yeah. you come over. It may not have. <laughs> Might've been the Natty Light Seltzers. It may not have all been truth. I was literally like, <laughs> I'm like walking the streets of Dubrovnik at the time. And I'm like, maybe had a couple beers by then. But anyways, great conversation. I'm glad you joined. Um, so the problem, we're the problem we're trying to solve, uh, it is really hard to get commercial tech into the DoD. Like, and I think anyone who's been in the DoD and, you, and you've used a piece of software that's 10 years old. Yeah. The reason it's 10 years old is nobody wants to go through the process of updating it. Like the accreditation process to update is a nightmare. Yeah. The commercial company doesn't want to do it and the government doesn't want to do the paperwork again. They did it once. Hey, you got your product. Be happy with yep. that soldier. You know, the, the, the DOD accrediting official does want to do it again. And so and this, in this era of cloud, it's gotten even worse because software is updating so much faster. Yeah. Every person joining the military is using incredible technologies at their house. And they join the military and like, oh my gosh, this is sad. Yeah. And they don't want to be there anymore. And so like, how do we get this best tech in the DOD? And at the end of the day, like where I came at this is the China angle. Like, how can we compete against a great power like China if we can't even get modern software? Yep. Um, so what we're trying to solve is that problem. And the way we're tackling it is like, hey, let's do a technical solution, which is let's use code to check code. Let's use real modern security practices. Let's use, uh, you know, I'm not going to throw out technical stuff because I'm talking to you, but you know, things like infrastructure. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this. Could you whole, get in a bar while people are watching? Oh, I'll put that one on the fridge. I'll let you have a win. <laughs> you fucking dork. So, the, you know, all these concepts of infrastructure as code, all these concepts of compliance as code, like there's things that we should be doing that are the right ways ways to use software to check software, yep. and. You know, if we do it right at the company, I think we make make it quicker for dozens or hundreds of commercial products to get into the DoD clouds and get ac accessible through DoD networks. Yeah, and yeah. the converse, you know, making it easier and increasing the variety of tech that's available to the broader national security community. And I mean, I'll I'll put an inflection on. I know we talk about it as DoD a lot. Like it's bigger than that, right? Like. Yeah. You and I are out talking to a bunch of our five I partners about the same problems and about how how do we promote interoperability and sort of software development deployment at the speed of relevance. He's yep. like a super buzzword, but yep. a real one, right? Yep. Like how do we and how can we beat China or create, you know, uh effectively combat great power competition has to be a partners and allies play, right? It can't be. DOD just gets better at some weird singular flywheel and yeah. then like, oh, innovation wins. Yeah. So look, I would love to jump in this real quick. So something I always like to think about, um, you look at the F-35, truly one of the greatest pieces of technology out there. And look, I've bagged on it before. Other people have. And a lot of it comes now from like- Now it flies. Yeah, it flies. Cool. Like, <laughs> you know, yeah, there are some cost <laughs> issues with it. There's other issues. But at the end of the day- See, that's your DOD background. Though. I know. Cost doesn't matter. Y'all are like, the money just shows up every year. This is sick. Yeah, but from a technology <laughs> standpoint, it is fantastic. And it's incredibly classified. Yeah. Yet we operate that with a wide range of foreign partners. We have foreign partners helping build it. It's built all over the world. It's operated by people at a highly classified level. So we can work with partners on the F-35. 
yet we can't chat with them. Yeah. Like I can't yeah. do an unclassified chat yep. with a five eyes partner because, oh no, it's not accredited. Yep. And you know, it's bad enough that we can't accredit, but they're the same way. So our, oh, yeah. our partners have the exact same kind of rules. I think they mistakenly followed our policies and went down this, uh, this horrific path. Yep. And so in the unclassified world, we can't talk. Yeah. We can go. We can go super secret. We can go sap. We can fly the best tech in the world. Oh, it's super easy I can't to do check. that. Yeah, yeah. So this is like that's something we got to tackle. Is yeah. this? Agree. Yeah, the policy and the tech that allows that. Agree. Yeah. Agree. Um, this might be a tricky question for you to answer, but sure, it's a good one. Um, so we've had you know the last few years, um, we've had a bunch of pushes towards cloud and commercial technology adoption. I think we've had some good collaboration across the services and up at the department level. Yep across CIOs and stuff, every one of them is leaving or has left. What does that say for the state of DOD and the tech inside and the philosophies if, I mean, what, Air Force, Navy, yeah. Army, pocket left from ECMA, right? CSO, Chief Software Officer and DOD left. What does that look like? What does it look like? So, you know, there's negatives and positives. The negative is they're all leaving and they're all leaving at the same time. The positive, though, that little cadre that we got uh, of Lauren, of Raj, of Aaron, Aaron yeah, of Paul, amazing. we somehow, something went right in the DOD personnel system. Yeah. And we pulled the right talent. Against all with, odds. Yeah. <laughs> with the right commercial backgrounds, get the same, but the passion for mission. Yeah. We got them all in the same place at the same time. So on the positive note, we've proven that the DoD can get the best talent into the DoD and talent that can actually drive change yeah. and push through their own bureaucracies. So the real question is what happens now? Does the DoD do the exact same effort and pull in top quality external talent that really cares about mission and can drive this? Or do they reach deep into the bowels of the bureaucracy and pull insiders that are going to maintain status quo? That is a concern. So we know they can do it right, but I think time will tell. Time has in the next few months. Yeah. When we see who the DoD chooses next, um, so I'm I'm mildly optimistic that most services have realized how good those CIOs were that they brought in, um, and that they'll try to do the same thing again. Yeah. But you know, that's me being an internal optimist. I'll buy, I'll buy a little optimism. That's yeah. good. It balances me out. Um, so we'll go on the optimist sort sure. of angle for a second. Uh, what are you most excited about the next twelve months? Sort of defense and national security tech. Um, defense national security tech. From the insider perspective, inside the DoD, the most exciting thing happening right now is the actually having a roadmap and a drive towards zero trust and multi-level security. Like collapsing Cipernet would be fantastic. True multi-level and unclass, actual true zero be trust wild. off commercial tech. Like, you know, it's been a lot of buzzwords and a lot of salesmanship from, you know, commercial companies, but you actually have the DoD We're getting close. their act together. Yeah. And having a plan in place. Agreed. So I'm actually excited that in the next 12 months, you're going to see something maybe not totally rolled out, but you at least see the inklings of what a real modern software-defined network, software-defined security is going to look like. And the DoD is going to drive that, and I think it's going to be great. From the outside perspective, I think we are only at the first little inklings of what drones can do. Drones, yeah. um, there's a lot of smoke and mirror in drones, but you look at what's going on in Ukraine. And how drones have enabled artillery strikes. They've enabled oh, yeah. infantry actions. Uh, even just the morale boost of a first-person drone chasing down a Russian vehicle and exploding. Like there's like certain, like it's it's gaming has now made it into combat in real life and death. Yeah. You know, it's not like 
And again, this is different than like Reaper, Predator drones, like big things orbiting. This is no kidding, real-time drone combat. And so I'm excited about where that's going. Like there's so many things with swarming. There's so many things that that's going to drive on mesh networking. So many things that's going to drive on tactics that I think this is one of the biggest dynamic changes of the nature of the fight on the battlefield. Uh, Again, nature of war is still the same. Nature of war is still bloody and horrific. But the nature of the actual tactical fight, I think is going to be drastically changed the next five years because of drones. Yeah, and I mean that, right? That was Chris Bros's yeah. huge point in uh, in Kill Chain, right? The tr- yep. Me a tritability, um, exactly. high volume. Yeah. And I mean, as a former guy who was on the ground, I love that. It's less of my guys getting schwacked. And think of how many drones we can buy for the price of one super expensive fighter. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm not delving <laughs> into that. I have too many friends who are pilots, and they... They go full Look, psycho when saying, I start talking about autonomous versus. I'm not man. saying get rid of hundreds of fighters. Literally get rid of one fighter. Yeah, fair. And imagine how many joins you can buy. Fair. So, fair. I will. Uh, I'll say, and it's odd for me to say this, but when I talk about sort of optimism and what that looks like, I think for the first time, and I'm gonna end up definitely eating these fucking words, and I know it, but I'm gonna just do it because it feels good right now. See, that's why you don't record these things. I see. Congress recognizing like an actual geopolitical problem and starting to try to solve some of it. And there's a linkage between this great power and CCP and partners and allies from Congress through the department into industry, some of the industry. And I see it and I'm super excited about it because if we do it right to your point about sort of alignment, right, it can be this sort of central nervous system that drives some like real meaningful fucking change instead of just words and, you know, a bunch of weird spend on nothing. Yeah, so this is, you know, all right, a totally different topic. The U.S. is entirely, like, politically divided. It is an absolute mess in the U.S. Right yeah, now. yeah. Except China. China is one of the few issues that has held constant in the foreign policy community since basically second Obama administration yep. through Trump, through Biden. Yep. Like, for the China watchers out there, and I, I used to be one, not anymore. I've stopped watching China. But, you know, it's, it's my passion. China's my passion. I used to really be deep in that community. But you've seen a coalescing of the community, yep. and that now has percolated out, like you said, to Congress, where it's now bi- bipartisan support primarily. It's openly for, talked about, yeah, policy. both sides of the aisle. Yeah, like wild. Now this is fantastic. Honestly, it's China's fault. Like, you know, you keep acting and saying the things you do, like oh, yeah. when you're China. Of course, you're going to get oh, yeah. upset at you. So, you know, way to go, Xi Jinping. Good job. But uh, you've unified America. So, uh, but I think it's great. This is one of those issues that is going to drive our policies for the next twenty years drive defense policy and i think it's we're on the right path on how we're looking to address awesome it. yeah all right so i ask the same last question every time because i have been told sure. by our handlers that structure matters um you know talk about when the work is done right there's always this everyone sort of got this hey at some point i'm gonna get there i'm gonna ring the bell it's gonna be successful you know you think about hanging up your spurs or you know your keyboard um what does success look like like, what is, what is the end? Where do you want to end up? I always joke about, you know, I want a bunch of land, a river, a big yeah. outdoor kitchen that I can just cook and have friends over there and just laugh. Yeah. What's yours look like? Uh, depends how much money I get. It depends how successful we are. So that kind of changes the dynamic. Better bit, do a good but, job building that fucking tech. At the end of the day, you know, build some tech, get some, comp, you know, get some money, hopefully build some more tech, get some money, maybe do a little time in government again because I'm a masochist. But when it all when it's all said and done, it's living a truly nomadic lifestyle. Yeah, I love traveling. I'm gonna go travel next week down to South America. Like, I love being on the road. My wife loves being on the road. Yeah, it is 
can we spend a month or a couple months of time in a different country, go hike in the backwoods? Full experience, full, full experience, not yeah. not tourist. Like I want to Love live that. out my life visiting almost every country in the world and just kind of immersing. Like that is my passion. Great answer. Love it. So yeah. That's awesome. Well, dude, thanks for uh thanks yeah. for letting me bend your arm and give you no guidance on what this was and coming awesome. on. And uh Again, right? Like I, I give Enrique a hard time a lot of the time, but I think he's he's been a trailblazer in the industry. And uh, while you're still our CTO, I got to be nice to you. So you're doing great, sweetie. You, you got to start being nice to me. Or yeah. Yeah. Nice <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Awesome. All thanks. right. Thanks, everybody. Beat him. Wow! Look at you. You made it to the end. Thanks for listening. Hope you learned something. Don't forget to leave a passive aggressive review. It wouldn't be a podcast without some show notes. So check them out to learn more about me, Second Front. Stay weird. <laughs>